We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm trying to, uh, you know, try to take it all in. You're in the midst of, you know, 162-game season, and you know, we just gave off a tough series in L.A., and you're trying to enjoy you know, the little things and this honor. And I'm sure it'll keep kind of sinking in over the next week and then you know once I get out to LA really just try to take in every single moment it's going to be great to share it with Wilson share it with Schwartz and Jock and guys I've played with you know David Bednar and I played together when we were eight years old so being able to do this together is going to be pretty cool so just little things like that just really trying to soak all that in. It's Ian Happ talking about his all-star appearance that will be in the upcoming week. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron right here on 670. The score live and local for you. Cubs coming off of being swept four games straight by the Dodgers. Uh, it's close games, 5-3-4-3-4-2-11-9, so no, no, no blowouts. But tough, tough pill to swaddle nonetheless, especially when you're on the heels of an all-star appearance. And do you feel like, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad even saying this. He's just, you know increasing his value leading up to the trade deadline by being an all-star. You can put that now on his resume. Or do you feel as though he's a guy that's going to stick around and, and, and now can be a cornerstone of the franchise because he is an all-star? It at least feels to me like in the case of Ian Happ, where you know he's not 30 yet and there's multiple years left to control on his contract, where the Cubs have time to determine something with Ian Happ, so, I mean, you know, just like we were talking about um, on the previous show here, we could see a situation where they just, you know, sell off everything that didn't, that didn't tie it down. But Ian Happ, to me, feels like the type of guy where his kind of his resume, his makeup seems like he, he can and probably should be a part of what the Cubs hope their, their future can be. If they're looking to get back to success by next season, if they're going to start spending even more money this next offseason, then it just makes sense to me to keep Ian Happ around because he's one of these homegrown guys that you developed. You know what I mean? Wilson Contreras, you know, you <laughs> develop him as well. And all right, if you're going to usher him out as his contract is coming to a close because you think maybe this is his peak, so you don't want to pay for a guy that, you know, that may be on the other side of that peak. You know, you don't want to overpay for something that's already taking place. Then okay, but Ian Happ seems to be entering his prime. And I think because of the position he plays and the athleticism he's shown and the development that's been there, it feels to me like between the two, like I, I would love it if they would find some sort of agreeable terms to pay, to pay Wilson Contreras, but he's been waiting for this moment. And he is certainly one of, and you talk to certain folks, he might be the best catcher in baseball going right now. So through that lens, 
then, yeah, I, I can understand where Contreras is going to be looking to get money that the Cubs aren't willing to pay him. So see what you can get in return. In Ian Happ's case, he hasn't shown himself amongst the best in the business. Mm-hmm. So it feels to me like there's terms that could be reached if you get this, you know, not only this season, but, you know, Happ starts off well next year. You can work on something with Ian Happ that maybe keeps him on the north side long term. So I, I would imagine I'd be surprised with, with what the Cubs and Ian Happ have been through together, sending him down, bringing him back up, the emotional moment of finding out about him making his first all-star game. I, I do think there's still a chance Ian Happ continues his career in Chicago, not only just through this season, but beyond that, because his profile seems to be what the Cubs should be hoping for, not to just have it be a completely top to bottom new roster at whatever point over the next couple of seasons, the Cubs are ready to turn back into a competitive squad here. Ian Happ should be the type of player who he's seen both the highs and lows of this organization. So it seems like he should be the type of guy that they're looking to build around, willing to build around because he can at least be one of the examples of development of a guy who's been through their system and he's actually been nurtured into a high level ball player with them. Yeah, we talked to from Cubs prospects or the guy who was covering Cubs prospects and he he really put into perspective how much talent the Cubs have in the outfield in their farm system. So, when I look well, at We had our Evan Altman discussion a few days ago and uh, Evan was one of the guys we were talking to uh about about Ian Happ and about, you know, whether or not the Cubs are going to go in full sell mode and you know, I mean, it's, it's it's one thing because Cubs fans are – because of how last season went at the trade deadline, it feels to me like Cubs fans are a little bit skittish, just assuming that everybody who they've come to sort of, you know, hold close to their heart here over the last couple of seasons, that no one's going to be, be maintained, that everyone's going to be gone. And, and really, they shouldn't. Right. They shouldn't. And if Ian Happ has any value whatsoever, and no shade of Ian, but – Pa fuera is what they say in Spanish. You're out of here. They're gone. Outside. Like, if you're looking at this Cubs team, you do not need him around for the supposed window that will be opening in a few years. You know, drafted in 2015, he, he did what you wanted from him. If you're a Cubs fan or if you are at, if you are in the in the front office, you're looking at Ian Happy saying, we drafted him in 2015, made it to the show in 2017 after the World Series was won. And he's had some decent years, you know, since then. And now he's a he's an all star. And you're saying to yourself, well, we're trying to, you know, revamp this roster. Let's get something for this guy, especially because he plays an outfield position where you have it was Brian Smith that we had on the show talking about the Cubs prospects. We, you know, he talked about so many of them that are going to be here in a year or two. And if Ian Happ can bring you back some more guys, maybe some infield help, maybe some pitching help, some prospects there like that. That's where you need to get these guys and get as many prospects as possible so that you can hit on one or two at the same time. I think timing is everything. And Ian Happ right now, keeping him around for some more years, I mean, you know, like you said, he's approaching 30. So so in two years, he will be 30. Is that what, is that what you want, your 31-year-old Ian Happ, who probably is tired of losing, wants to be on a winning roster, and now has to be at the, the beginning of this of this supposed window that's going to take place hopefully in two years. That's what I'm saying. And where it's like, he's an all-star, get his ass out of here, bring in some prospects <laughs> so that that way you can start building for that two-year window to come. I, I think it depends on on how Jed Hoyer and the current Cubs brass view 
what view how long they are, how far they are from whatever the next approaching like quote unquote window is. Hoyer is claiming they're going to start spending money again this next offseason. If that's true, then that means they're they're trying to start winning some games next year. Maybe not a World Series, but to continue to build towards that. And if you're going to unload Ian Happ for a couple of prospects, you're hoping that those prospects, that maybe at least one of them, would turn into what Ian Happ has developed into at this point, an all-star. And so that's where, you know, I do get a little bit skittish of of – you know, trading away a guy who's still, you know, in his in his mid to late twenties. Like you referenced, he's about to be twenty eight. So, you know, he's entering his prime from a baseball perspective right now. So, you trade away a guy and bring back prospects who maybe in the next five to seven years could develop to the point that Ian Happ is at right now. He's a guy who is now entering his prime, who is in the midst of this All Star season, and you would hope will continue to develop beyond this point. There was the one point a couple of seasons ago where Ian Happ gets sent down to the minors. He's upset about it. The Cubs didn't feel great about it either because they wanted him to be potentially their center fielder, to be their leadoff hitter, to be this switch-hitting bat that can do a lot for them. And he's finally now gotten back to that point after kind of going through the ringer with his organization a bit. And I, I just think that to trade him away at this point where you finally put the hard work into helping him develop into this, and he's put the hard work in with your organization to make this happen. So now, you know, maybe like Schwarber-esque, you, you unload him onto someone else, and now you see the fruits of that labor paying off for other people. Why not at 27, soon to be 28 years old, why not let the fruits of, the, of that labor pay off for you here in Chicago? Again, if you're thinking – within the next couple of years, you want to get back to competing at a high level. Right. If you're thinking this is like a, a full teardown from, you know, back we're talking like 2012 time period, all right, that's a different story. <laughs> and if you're three, five years away from where you're really trying to compete at a high level, then sure, get what you can for everybody who's any good right now. But if you're thinking we're about to start spending money truly this next offseason, we're going to try to start winning, and then hopefully within the next couple of years get back into that championship conversation – then to me it makes sense. Ian Happ is still young enough at this point. Like Kyle Hendricks, not young enough for that anymore. Okay. Because he's a catcher, Wilson Contreras is not young enough for that anymore. Ian Happ, he's still young enough for that at the position he plays especially, and you've invested so much into turning him into the guy that he's finally becoming for you. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great point is the age and, and how it aligns with where the Cubs want to go. I guess in my mind I'm thinking – Buy buy high or buy low, sell high, and, mm. and and he is at the highest point he is going to be right now. An all star player for you, he's having one of the you know his, his best seasons statistically right now. So for me, it's like get his get him out of here, <laughs> along with Wilson, along with Kyle Hendricks, and let me just start fresh next year and see what positions I need to fill because a position like Ian Haps, you can fill it in with either a young prospect or like you mentioned. With some do- with a free agent with some dollars that you have available, I know they're going to focus on pitching as they should. But when you're looking at some of these position players, they got guys that could play. Rafael Ortega is really good. Christopher Morel is really good. And you know, again, you Maybe got one of those guys as good as Ian Happ yet. Yet you're right. I don't know Morel. Yes. I-, I-, I like Morel. There's some, Love the potential. There's some people that would Love say the they prefer Morel on this team for the next window that's going to open up over Ian Happ. But again, you're talking about a guy that can play all over the field. But again, it's Ian Happ, the All Star. If he was, if he wasn't an All Star, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. But the fact that he is an All Star, I then say to myself, "Well, damn, I can get, 
I, I, people are going to want this guy. He's an all-star. What, you know, what kind of haul can I get for someone like Ian Happ? Is it a pitching prospect that's young that just needs two years? Is it, you know, a position player that, that is, is, is killing it in double A right now? You know, that, that's what I'd be looking forward to, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the Cubs do and what decisions they make because only, because yeah. only they know how much money they have to spend in the offseason and the, and, and what their, their farm system looks good. Based off what Brian was telling us right, last week, right. the farm system looks good. So if you can get some more of those guys in there, you know, I, again, I just I want the best for the Cubs because Major League Baseball is better when the Cubs are at you know are competitive, and that's just what I want them to be. When it was you know the discussion had been going on for for several seasons, really going into last year, because you had so many of those key pieces from the World Series team that were all you know in in the midst of arbitration and and leaving their contract control time period, going to be full on free agents, and so you're trying to figure out who can they unload to get something in return. And as those those discussions were happening, for me, I felt like all right, there's not that much unless they were going to go to Universal DH, which they hadn't yet, then I'm like, all right, maybe unload Schwarber. That's going to make sense because he's best suited to be a DH, even though he had improved so much as a defender. But then for me, it really came, and Rizzo's getting older and he had the back problems. For me, it came down to if you're really going to pay these guys, it's going to come down to Chris Bryant versus Javier Baez. My thing was Bryant seemed to really have his best seasons early in his career plateaued yes he had stretches of dominance and stretches where he looked healthy and it made sense but for the money he was talking about looking for then to me it made sense to unload Chris Bryant and frankly between any of them I said if you're going to take a risk on big money for any of these guys Javi Baez seemed to be the one who developmentally had, had at least shown that that more steady improvement he never got over the strikeout issues and still at this point now that he's gotten paid elsewhere hasn't gotten over the the hit or miss, the strikeout issues, the the flair for the dramatic both for your team and for the opposing team with some of the situations out there. I think Ian Happ is in a unique position from all those guys, though, where there's a there's a connectivity to the fan base, but he wasn't he wasn't a contributor on the World Series squad. So you don't necessarily have that aspect of it. And I believe you know, him, you know, union rep. And I, I think he understands the business side of this thing and, and addresses that publicly at a high enough level where Ian Happ strikes me as a guy who realizes he's now finally more consistently this season than ever has shown what he's capable of. So is Ian Happ looking at himself as a guy who's going to get paid like he's truly one of the best in the business? Or does he recognize that he needs to show that more consistently like Wilson Contreras he's a guy who's he's what a three-time all-star at this point one of the best catchers in the game has been viewed as that for season over season so he's in a position to truly go out and command top dollar and for whatever reason the Cubs don't want to pay him that so I think there's a more legitimate case to be made that Wilson Contreras again because of the age because of the position because of the money he's going to be able to demand elsewhere where you can look at Contreras and say all right uh, I guess allow him to to walk or, or get something in return for him. Ian Happ, uh, it just it feels to me like there's somewhere where these two sides can kind of meet in the middle. He's not a guy who was a contributor on this championship team where his head says, "I won you a World Series, so pay me like this World <laughs> Series right, champ." Right, right. So it feels to me like there's potential for Ian Happ and the Cubs if he does continue to perform at a high level going into next season, if you're viewing him as that guy who can continue to be this Ian Happ we saw, you know, kind of second half of last year and through this first half of this season, then it just it feels like you, if you unload him, you're hoping a prospect becomes what Ian Happ is now become, has now become for you, is in the midst of showing you. So I just, 
you know, I, I don't think he's at an age yet where you need to unload that based off just the potential that you get someone else to come in and do what he's doing right now and can continue to do. Well, he might not be able to get a big contract, but can he bring back some top talent? We're talking about Ian Happen to answer that question. We're going to holler at Michael Sarami from Bleacher Nation. He's going to answer those questions for us on the other side to talk a little bit more Cubs. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Horner hits the ground at a third. Glove by Justin Turner, and he throws out Horner to end the ball game. The Dodgers take all four. They win today, 11-9. Got the clown music in the background, I see. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, live and local here on 670 The Score. And joining us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, He's the writer and editor for Bleacher Nation. It's Michael Sarami. Let, let me ask you this. Somebody was giving me crap yesterday I, or earlier today because I said Bleacher Nation. Why, why, why am I getting crap for that? Uh, I don't know. I think Bleacher Nation's uh, pretty great. Uh, were you talking to uh, Elias? I was talking to Elias. Or, well, he wasn't giving me crap. It was the text line. I think because they were thinking <laughs> oh. of a different word to follow Bleacher and they thought I was saying it wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, bro. Uh, maybe they're thinking of Bleacher Report or something. Right. And I was trying to tell them, I know what I'm, I'm, I'm reading this stuff here. I know what it is. I, I follow these guys. Mike, let me ask you this. We've been having a heated discussion about Ian Happ. Do you feel now that he's an all-star, his value is higher than ever for the Cubs to put him on the trading block? Or do you feel as though he can be a cornerstone for this team in the future? Uh, I don't think the fact that he is officially an all-star matters a whole lot to the rest of the league. I think that is more symbolic for Hap and, you know, possibly will help him in terms of his arbitration case for his final year of control next season. But the the all-star bid itself, I mean, that's just more a reflection of how the rest of the league views him and the value he provides. Um, I think I've always been a uh, very big supporter of Ian Hap. I've always believed in his – uh, ability, his approach, his offensive potential. He made some significant changes that year. He was sent down to the minors, and he's 
finally put them all together over a consistent period of time this season. I think it would be silly for the Cubs to trade him absent being bowled over with value uh, in part because he's the same age as Seiya Suzuki with as much um, offensive potential in the near term. And we've seen huge improvements in the strikeout rate while the power has not evaporated. His bats and ball skills especially are good. He's always had a good eye. And as a righty, he's making a ton of contact. He's not hitting for as much power, but he's hitting for average. And he's completely transformed that side of the game. In the meantime, as he's focused on just left field, he's become a really solid outfielder defensively, something we always knew he had in him, but wasn't quite able to demonstrate as he was covering all three positions, just depending on the opposing pitcher or the lineup of the day. So I think that there's going to be plenty of need for guys like Ian Happ. We know the Yankees are looking for outfielders in particular, and there's not a lot of great bats on the market, but I think the Cubs would be wiser to keep him and uh, build around him as soon as 2023. And that, that leads nicely into the question I, I want to ask because I'm wondering how much does the the time frame that the Cubs are viewing this through as far as it, how when they truly plan to compete again, how much does that timeline factor into whether or not Ian Happ would be a Cub for the long run? Yeah, that's certainly the biggest question, but I think it sort of plays in two directions. If you actually do believe in Happ uh, as I do, and if you believe as I believe the Cubs uh, would agree with, that they need to be competitive at least in the first half of next season, if not the entire year and into October, then you can just as easily roll the dice with Hap again next season. And if he at the deadline is still showing as much value as he is this season, but the Cubs are out of it, they can trade him then. Will it be for a lesser return than they would right now? Sure, that's possible, but it's also possible that they're competing in what is ultimately a pretty weak division. And if they make the right moves this offseason, you know, I'm sure a lot of Cubs fans at home are rolling their eyes and know how that sounds. We, I'm in the same boat. I know it's, uh, it's gonna, we're going to have to see it to believe it, but I do think they're going to be aggressive this offseason. And if some of these other pieces that are coming up around half right now, there's a lot of bright spots on this Cubs team, even though they're pretty bad overall, uh, then next season could be competitive and half's going to be a big part of that. And again, if it doesn't work out at the deadline, you can always trade them next year. Uh, I don't think they need to be aggressive in shopping him. I think they just need to be open to being bowled over by an enormous offer and absent that, you know, relative to its value. Absent that, there's no reason to move him just to move him. Michael Sarami joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. Somebody who they are shopping and somebody that Bleacher Nation feels uh, could get some attention from a specific team, the New York Mets, is Wilson Contreras. When you say are the Mets willing to admit how badly they need him, is it because they, they, they did so well pulling Javi, Javi Baez from the Cubs <laughs> last year? Or do you feel like they genuinely have, have a serious interest in, in getting him over to the East Coast? Uh, so there are a few factors that uh, played into that article I wrote today, uh, which you, again, anyone could read on Bleacher Nation. But the, the long and short is the Mets already have one of the worst offensive production uh, tandems behind the plate. On top of that, James McCann, the primary catcher, just got injured. He's in a bleak strain, and he's going to be out at least another month, and it'll probably be more than that. We've you know, sort of come to learn and appreciate how difficult the bleak strains are to overcome for baseball players. It's just a, it's a very rotational sport, and that's a, a muscle that uh, plays into that uh, effect for, for batters and, uh, again, especially catchers behind the plate. 
And uh, the third factor is they do not have a very impressive lead in the NL East. There are two other teams that sort of fit the mold of the first part of that question, uh, answer, which is that there's not great offense behind the plate. That would be the Astros and the Yankees. But both of those team, teams have double-digit leads in their division with 99% chances of winning their division and making the playoffs. The Mets are at a coin flip right now as the Braves are catching up to them. They, If they don't make a big move this year – uh, they're going to have wasted what is likely Jacob deGrom's final season, one of Max Scherzer's most effective years as he's continuing to age, uh, remaining on his contract. There's just a lot of reasons for them to push in right now, uh, not to mention how high they've pushed their salary, uh, their luxury tax payroll. I mean, they, they just, they're in a win-now mode. They don't have offensive production behind the plate. They just lost their catcher. It, it's a no-brainer. They need to get Wilson Contreras. I personally would love nothing more than the Cubs to extend Wilson Contreras, you know, for the rest of his career. But it's just that's not something that's going to happen at this point. So I'm trying to take a sober look at it, assess the teams that could be in need. And from where I'm standing, I don't care how often the Mets say they don't want to try to integrate a catcher at <laughs> midseason, which I agree it's hard, but they need them. It has to happen. What's your sense for why I, I still have not been able to either figure out myself and no one I've posed this question to has really been able to explain why Wilson Contreras won't be ending his career with the Chicago Cubs? So this is it, it's a very important question. It's a very difficult one to answer, but it's also one that's not meant for this month. This decision was made when he didn't get an extension over the winter um, and, you know, the Cubs can blame the lockout for that if they want. Uh, Jed Hoyer can blame the fact that he doesn't, you know, maybe he didn't foresee how well of an offensive improvement Contreras can make with the right backup catcher and the addition of the DH. But at this point, uh, it seems just pretty likely that Contreras was seeking something closer to JT Real Muto's contract, um, which was, you know, maybe north of $100 million, which now he might ultimately get given how, well, he's hit this year, but at the time, the Cubs weren't willing to commit that much. It's crazy, but I don't even know. Like, we just saw Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant traded last year. I, the, registering the emotional impact or, or the confusion around Wilson Contreras isn't, isn't that difficult in, in that reference, right? You know, so we've seen this happen. Do, we can't necessarily explain it, but it fits the MO of everything they've done this far. thus far. They are moving on from that core. That seems to be the case. So at this point, the only way you're ever going to see Wilson Contreras in a Cubs uniform again is if they re-sign him this offseason, and that's typically not something that happens very often. It's, it's very, very rare. Um, and I think next year the Cubs are going to be more than happy to go into the season with some sort of tandem of Jan Gomes as the veteran defensive-minded backstop and maybe even P.J. Higgins, who has you know, shown a, a kind of a lot at the plate. and He's, he's a good hitter. He can also play first or third in a pinch. So I think that's sort of the angle or approach they're going to take with it. And I think they're going to get their prospect and, you know, take it and run with it. Hope it goes as well as the bias trade does last year, did last year. Well, by comparison to the, the guys who were a part of that World Series core that they traded last season, Wilson Contreras is still ascending at this point. You, you can certainly make the case that all three of them, certainly you know, Chris Bryant had maybe plateaued, Anthony Rizzo had the back issues, Javi Baez had either plateaued or regressed. Wilson Contreras is playing the best baseball of his career, and it, just, it, it, does, it does strike me as a bit different from the position they found themselves in, especially with the expense of what the Bryant contract would have been and what the Baez contract would have been. 
for last season, it does seem like the, the Contreras situation and, and where he's at in his career arc is a little bit different. Yeah, that, but that is another thing that cuts both ways. Uh, let's say that Contreras is at a different point in his career arc. Um, he's also older than Baez was when he was signing, and Baez also got a lot more than him, and so did Bryant. So those guys, despite being at what might be a worse career arc, got more money. So if Contreras is on his upswing and a lot of teams are going to value him the same way, the Cubs might see that and say, well, we're, we're not going to match that this offseason. We're not going to pay you free agent prices a year uh, from free agency or now three months away. So we're going to move on and get value when we can. Again, I, I, I wish I could, you know, <laughs> write this on a big chalkboard and hold it up on the uh, Sears Tower. Like, I don't agree with that. I think Contreras <laughs> should be a Cub for life. I think that the Cubs are going to want to be good next year. And I think that Contreras is going to be good next year and they will be worse without having him. And uh, most importantly, they're going to need to replace his bat. So they already needed another bat in the lineup. Now they're going to have to go and get two. So they just need to, again, hope and pray that the uh, return they get for Contreras is, you know, anywhere close to as good as getting PCA or Caleb Killian or Kevin Alcantara from the Yankees Giants and uh, Matt's last year, if they can hit on that, at least they can sell that for the future because it does certainly seem like a move that'll set them back for 2023, not make them any closer for uh, competitive reasons next year. He's Michael Sarami, writer, editor for Bleacher Nation, joining us here on 670 The Score on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I'm going to zoom out a little bit, go on a macro level, look at the NL Central as a whole. You see two teams at the top in a position where the Cubs really want to be in these next couple of years with the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Tight race at the top. Who do you got uh, walking away with the NL Central at the end of the season? You know, it's, it's hard. I, I would have almost I, – I always find myself under-appreciating, undervaluing, underestimating is the word, um, the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I, it's different in these last couple of years when they've had the extreme front line starting pitching to sort of carry them. But they've even had some injuries there, and they still somehow almost always find a way to get a little bit more out of their team than the pieces that you actually can see and add up. Uh, but I think this is probably going to end up as the Cardinals – uh, division. I even saw a rumor earlier today written up. I think it was Bob Nightingale uh, who was suggesting that the Brewers might listen on guys like Josh Hader, Omar Nevarez this year, this deadline, and, and try to just do their best to compete the rest of the way, but also retooling uh, on the fly so they don't sort of hit that. And it's like, that is uh, shocking. So I don't know what he's heard that I haven't or haven't expected, but if that's the case, you can sort of see the, the pieces already being put into motion for the Cardinals to sort of reclaim the NL Central again. I think that they're the team to watch. As the the Cubs begin to sort of factor in what their what their next few seasons will look like, what's your sense for for what this division, how this division will be shaped over the next few years? Do you see the Cardinals, the Brewers kind of being in a in a go for it mode? How do the Cubs end up factoring that into how aggressive they're going to be next offseason? So that's, that's the biggest piece of optimism I think you could sort of hand Cubs fans. On the one hand, the Brewers are really good, sure. But on the other hand, they are already at a uh, uh, franchise record payroll, and they still have a ton of money uh, coming towards Christian Yelich, who obviously hasn't been anywhere close to the player he has been in the past. The Cardinals have uh, an extremely successful scouting and player development 
system in place in their organization, particularly at the big league level. We all know that the Cardinals voodoo magic. So they're always going to be good, but they have even been reluctant to sign the big free agent. They've made some big trades for pricey guys and have extended them, but they haven't been as successful just diving out into free agency. So that's sort of a hope for Cubs fans uh, because this front office needs to use its financial might to keep up with these teams who have some built-in advantages through the draft with extra compensation picks because their markets are smaller. So again, the Cubs are supposed to spend because of that. Again, I don't think the Brewers and Cardinals are going to be these perennial powerhouse teams. They, they're always good teams, but they're not the Dodgers. Uh, they're not the Rays. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Red Sox. They can be beat. The Reds are in the middle of God knows what. They have been the most confusing team over the last five years, pushing the chips all the way in, taking them all the way back out within a two-and-a-half-year span, spending a ton of money, and then trading everybody away. So I'm not particularly concerned about them in the near term. The Pirates, I actually do think, could have some nice young players. That O'Neill Cruz looks like he's going to be the real deal. And there was even some reports today that the, uh, the Pirates are not going to trade Brian Reynolds or David Bednar, their two biggest trade pieces. And that sort of could be another signal that they actually do intend to compete in the next you know, two or three years. And that is something that would, if they didn't think that, they would absolutely trade them for as much value as they could get. They will never support their team financially the way they, they need to. They need guys like O'Neill Cruz to be these huge hits to be successful. But again, all of that comes brings us back to the Cubs, who have a ton of money to spend, have some legitimate talent on the big league roster. There are some pieces there that will be here for a long time that look really, really good. And they have this you know blooming uh, minor league system that is gaining top 100 prospects by the day. And they also still have another trade deadline another top 10 pick this year, and probably another top 10 pick next year as well. So they have all of these pieces moving in and plenty of financial space to add with some big league pieces at the, uh, uh, that are keepers building blocks at the big league level. I'm, I'm bullish on the Cubs over the next two to three years. I think next year is going to be a little bit more competitive than this year. It should be. I don't think it's, they're necessarily going to be World Series contenders, but with an expanded playoff format, they should be playoff contenders. And after that, it will really just depend on how some of these prospects panned out, especially the guys that are already at double AA, A, triple A, and you know, emerging at the big league level. Michael, I love talking to you because you love the Cubs the way that I love Chicago. Your home, your Homer heart, your Homer heart beats loudly, and I hear it, and I love That's it, man. Right. Thanks That's for hanging. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Michael. I appreciate you joining us. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. That's the writer editor for Bleacher Nation, Michael Sarami. You can. Go ahead and follow him at Michael underscore Cerami. That's C-E-R-A-M-I. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. And on the other side, listen, we're live and local, which means that we get to talk about things that happen here in our beautiful city of Chicago. And Anthony Heron took part in one of the biggest events Chicago throws on an annual basis, and that is the Taste of Chicago. But what did he eat? And what big complaint did he have? <laughs> <laughs> was he waiting out in the line with 3,000 people trying to get in the damn thing? We're going to talk about that next. Again, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. I buy my burger ingredients at Food and Stuff, a discount food outlet equidistant from my home and my work. Bra! I don't know why I felt like the song came on, and I was just I was in my zone for a second. Bra! It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, holding you down for a couple more minutes. And, of course, the reason why we had the food intro is because Ant went out to taste the Chicago. Was it yesterday or just over the weekend? 
uh, on Saturday. Went out there on Saturday because the um, you know the weather report for Friday was a little bit of rain. Sunday was you know temperature was going to be rising a little bit. Sunday just seemed like the right day. It was sunny. It was in the 70s, so I mean it was warm and comfortable, but not being like just oppressively hot. So <laughs> Saturday ended up being the right day for us to head on out there, man. So big group of the fam, we went out there together, checked it out, man. Had a, had a good time. Did you time. do the Saturday two hours? Did you we did you did it take you two hours to get in like the majority of Chicagoans, or did you use your Anthony Heron card to get in on the side? No, nah, it, it was about it was a good you know like thirty five forty minutes in line, so it wasn't you know it, it wasn't multiple hours like uh. It's weird, some but, but Anthony, it's it's weird to me because as, as a as a kid that was born and raised here in Chicago, when when I think mm. of taste of Chicago, you just show up, you just yeah, you just, just you know, in. blend into the you know the city, the downtown area. So why right. what was up with the two hour window or the for you you know that hour hour wait? So it's it's just smaller now, you know that that's the big difference. It's smaller. They got metal detectors out there, and there was you know with the metal detectors like each there's basically, uh, from my understanding, like three different entrances, and they all had you know about four, maybe a handful of metal detectors at them, and so you know you had a long line of people just kind of waiting to go through the metal detector, and I think even before the pandemic, because you know. It was, first taste that has taken place in a couple of years here, but even just the few seasons leading into the pandemic, they had already made some adjustments where like when we were kids, it was 4th of July weekend. And so that brings some additional, you know, sort of waves of people in there just because it's the holiday weekend. And then also it was much bigger at that point. It had gotten kind of out of control and, you know, a lot of silliness would go on there at the taste just because so many people would be there and everybody's just all, you know, you get to the point where you just get folks who are upset just because they're around so many people, which, all right, if you're going to act like that around a bunch of folks, what'd you show up for? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> but I did think it was a, a proper decision for the city to kind of downsize it a little bit. They moved it off of the holiday weekend. Yep. So even a few years before the pandemic hit, the taste had kind of gotten more under control. We, we live in walking distance of it anyway. So we would just, we started going to the taste and it was I found it to be a more enjoyable experience, even those few years leading into COVID. So then now this weekend was the first time we've been in a couple of years, you know, bring the four-year-old out there with us. Mom drove in from the suburbs, had a few other family members out there, me and the wife too. And we just, we had a good time. Like the, the line was certainly, it was a wait. Like I said, for us, it was like 35, 40 minutes, but you know, I mean, everybody was pretty cool. Like just even in the line, hanging out, talking to a few folks, just kind of doing our thing a little bit. We get in there. And you got the whole culinary experience available to you for a wide variety of restaurant options there. Now in the end, you know, it's it's a it's a different it's it's a different taste than it was back right. in the day. Like as a kid, you go out there, you watch the fireworks, you hang out, it felt like there was millions and millions of people out there at the it same sure time. <laughs> Definitely a different vibe for the taste now. But actually this smaller, kind of more controlled version of it, yeah, you gotta deal with the line if if you're not chance the rapper, but Aside from that, once you get in there, man, it's still your, your same kind of culinary experience with a whole lot of food options, man. We, we grew up. We enjoyed it. Now, I would ask you what you ate, but, you know, you probably ate everything, right? So I, I'm more interested in what Bishop ate. Ah, uh, yeah. We, we, got, we, we experimented quite a bit with Bishop. He had a little bit of, little bit of alligator. Really? Him, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Shout yeah. out let to him, Bishop trying the uh, alligator. Uh-huh. Let him taste a little bit of that. He got a, got a good cheeseburger. Did you, wait, 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 wait. Did you lie to him and say it was like chicken nuggets? Oh, like no. like a real dad, or did you just oh, no, did no, you, no, get, no, you no, gave no. him the whole lowdown? Yeah, I, I want to expand that palate as much as I can right okay. now. I want no fear of tasting anything. You know, that. like you know, I, I can I can handle some spice, not a whole lot, but you know, my wife isn't really into the spice to the extent that I am either. 
but so I want him to be able to have a little bit of heat on his palate. So my mom, like nothing is spicy for my mom's. And so she'll eat like whether it's jerk chicken. They had a, this spot called What a Jerk out there that she tried a little bit of. And, okay. you know, she didn't necessarily pass that off to Bishop because he can only handle a little bit of heat right now. But <laughs> <least> um, four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, I didn't mind telling him what the what the gator was. He had his cheeseburger. He had, like, these mango smoothie things that they had out there. Okay. He, was, he was experimenting with quite a few different things. But, you know, the – Probably the only real, um, the only meal I didn't enjoy that much, I ended up getting a slice of pizza. And for me, folks in my Twitter bio can tell I'm a pizza snob. As I say, you know, it, the pizza wasn't cooked fresh on the spot because, you know, you're not going to bring pizza ovens out there to the taste in the middle of Grand right. Park. But um, so the pizza was probably the only thing, that one slice that I didn't dig throughout the day. Everything else that I tried, that we tried, that we were experimenting with, especially what I end up doing, I do the taste portions. Of everything, I don't. I don't like to get a ah. full portion of it because then you just end up filling up at some point throughout the day. But you get a taste portion here, taste portion there. You just kind of keep doing that, rolling from spot to spot throughout the day, and then you don't feel like you ever get too full. But you can try a wide variety of things out there. So I, I had a blast, man. Like, when was the last time you went out to the taste? <sighs> you know, I'm trying to think when the last. I think the last time I went. Had to have been when they had fireworks, so it's been a while. Oh, okay, it's been a minute. It's, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been a hot minute. So, because I, because I, you I don't think, like big crowds. You, you know like what it is? Like I think I was scarred and as a little kid where mm-hmm. I got caught in the rain too much doing Taste ah, of Chicago okay. with my family, okay. and then you know, as you mentioned a second ago, you know, back in the day, you watch the fireworks out there, you know, uh, along the lake, and then mm-hmm. every and then then the 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 trains and the buses were free, so you. You know, there's a mad dash to the blue line to yeah, try to get right. back to your house. And right. so that always rubbed me the wrong way. So it was like a lot. Mm. It was a lot of the crowd stuff that really blew me. And then I was like, I'm from here. If I want to <laughs> eat any of this food that's here, I'm going to go get it fresh, fresh at the restaurant. And then I'm going to enjoy myself. And I'm also a big fan of like Chicago restaurant week. So I mm. I, I, I take advantage of, of our foodie scene and, and I really get mm. down with it. So. So once they started messing it up and th- throwing it on different days and trying to change stuff up, I-, I wasn't with it. And then the other thing I don't like too is like the ticket thing. It's like let me just walk up to a booth and buy some food. Like why do I gotta buy? Why do I gotta buy eighteen that tickets? Was, that was another adjustment they made this year. Oh, so they for did the first time. Yeah, we we all grow okay. up thinking about like you stand in one line to get all the tickets, yeah, dude, and then all right, that? so if it's my taste portion, I hear here's four tickets, but I'm getting the full portion is eight tickets or whatever. No tickets this year. Just show up. You know, you pay cash at certain spots. Most everybody was just paying with their credit cards. Some lines were longer than others, but it, at least it was, you know, they could accept the credit card transaction to keep it moving that way as opposed to having to deal with the tickets. I, I assume part of that was probably just the whole COVID thing. Like, you know, pretty much every baseball stadium, I think, at this point is is like a, you know, a credit card transaction. People aren't really exchanging cash much in stadiums. And I think the taste is just kind of taking a page out of that and not having folks have to, pass a bunch of paper back and forth and add to the mess and add to, you know, passing things around from hand to hand, just swipe the card or tap the card and keep it moving that way. So no more tickets, you know, so if that was something anybody was nostalgic about from their childhood, I don't think we're going to be seeing the tickets at the taste anymore and some decent music out there, man. Actually one of my, uh, cause we had, we've had Bishop in these music classes over the years. Okay. Some of them initially he would go in person then the pandemic hits, classes were online, and actually one of his music teachers, Ms. Vivian Garcia, she was out there on the main stage at the Taste. 
Okay. Took Bishop over there to see Miss Vivian afterwards after she got done performing, which was real cool for him and for her. And it was a good time, man. We we had a nice day out there. So I guess I guess I have to shout out my friend then. My my good friend performed on Saturday as well, Pinky Ring. Oh yeah, she was on the right. main stage yeah. at okay. five o'clock. Yep. He's all right. All right, Miss Vivian led oh. into them. Yep. She, oh, she opened did up she? For them on okay, Saturday. Yep. that's what's uh-huh. up. Yeah, Pinky Ring's a good friend of mine. She performed out there. You tend to know. I performed at the uh, at the Taste of Chicago in my day too. Okay. I try to. People give me all this crap about David Hall. We had, I had him on the, earlier. He didn't, and we played some boys to men leading into. It's yeah. hard to say goodbye to you know to 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 the <laughs> Brinkett uh, from uh-huh. the Blackhawks. And right. I just casually threw out there that I had opened up for the for boys to men at one point in my life. And David did tried to 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 steer the conversation clear of the Blackhawks who had just traded away to bring it into. Wow, tell me the story about boys to well, men. I was like, please, no, I, we're not going to do that. And then. I mean, that that fit, that does feel like a worthwhile segue because you just said well, I performed at the taste. I it opened did. up for boys to men. I mean, yeah. you throw something like that out there. It does feel like some details you know, are worthwhile. So give me the story. Um, it's, it's quite easy that boys to men was performing in Milwaukee, and we had been traveling the country, and they just asked us to come up, and that was it. Open up for boys to men in Milwaukee, and then taste of Chicago. You know, we were just a local, you know, a local R and B group, so you know, we would always get the opening acts slots for taste of Chicago and stuff like that. You know, now I mean, forgive me. I mean, what what's the name of your R and B group? I nah, don't even know this. That one never makes it out there because then there's Google. We don't want people googling. Games, <laughs> I mean, it's too late now. You're on you there talking about it. it. Everybody's hitting the Google machine well, now. Then, then get then get your Twitter fingers ready. Get your Google fingers ready to go do that. That's, <laughs> you got to practice being not you, Aunt, but everybody that's listening. You got to practice like your stalker skills and go find out what that looks like. Until then, but Tyler Butterball, our producer, don't let me open, don't let me come on this show and you're playing some of my group. I don't want to hear that. I'll be really upset. Tyler Butterball. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Oh Where my is that gosh. from? Yeah, where's that from, Tyler? That, that's Pat Hughes. Saying your name uh, yeah. when you're producing? He he tries to say my name all the time. I think he just loves <laughs> saying my last name, so I had to clip that for myself. Isn't it just Butterball? It's actually Butterball. Oh, Butterball. Like, Buterball is all one name. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> Those are great clips right there. Pat had a full discussion about it. Huh? All right. He probably. Oh, yeah. He went on for like minutes. It's hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. But you know what? You got a unique name, man. You're, you're, you're a unique individual. All right. I was just about to say, play me the music, but not anything from my R&B group. I'm Gabe Ramirez, who is now a sportscaster on 670 The Score, along with Anthony Heron. want to thank our guests for today of course the people that helped us out eli schuster from bleacher nation also jacob infante from the windy city gridiron and of course last but not least michael sarami from bleacher nation as well want to thank our producer go ahead hit the hit the thing you gotta pull it back up i gotta find it again oh dude you gotta have that on deck right now (laughs) we're doing these and we told them already we're doing these things you gotta have your little sounder like everybody else Shout out to our producer. Buterball is all one name. <laughs> Tyler. And, of course, and it's always a pleasure to hang out with you, man. We're back together on Friday, right? No doubt, my friend. Looking forward to it. I love it. All right, you guys. Have a fantastic one. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Until next time, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony here, and this is 670 The Score. My goodness, that was sick. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.